We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I think McDaniel's going to draw up some great stuff. Tyreek is Tyreek Hill. You know, he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. Waddle looks awesome. And look at you, Colin, doubting Tua. Don't you realize he threw four fourth quarter touchdown passes? Yeah, yeah. It, it, not a lot of people have done that. In fact, the last guy that did it is another guy that people doubted and went on to have an amazing career. Sage Rosenberg. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And we're here talking about week two in the NFL. Last, last week, it was all about overreactions. This week, we're kind of just take, asking everybody for a heat check on their team. You know, because we, we want to see where expectations are now that kind of, okay, you get the week one. Some people think it's the end of the earth. The sky's falling. It's chicken little syndrome. Sometimes some, some people think that every, their, king, their quarterback is King Midas. Everything they touch turns to gold. Obviously, there's no way they can fail. They're going 17-0. Already planning the Super Bowl parade route. Now we take a look back and we just look and say, okay, how confident are you over the next four? Because that's usually what makes or breaks a season for a football team. Right, Chris? Yeah. Back when we used to do divisional preview series, we would talk about how over the first five games, first four or five games, when you look historically, the, 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 the team's finish in those first four to five weeks the playoff percentages are heavily impacted by that. Teams that finish two wins or fewer out of the first five make the playoffs less than 20% of the time. So with that, it's always interesting to take a look at this, and we want to kick things off with a first-time basement dweller, Mr. Christian Simonelli here to talk to us about the New England Patriots, who pulled out a nail-biter against the Steelers, 17-14. to Christian, 
How's the view from down there, bud? Ugh, I don't even know where I am right now. It's unrecognizable. <laughs> so we, I, I watched this game, right? So I watched this game as I was prepping tailgate stuff and just kind of doing stuff around my house. What is the what is the pulse of the Patriots fan base after watching that? Um, sort of meh. I mean, <laughs> meh. The, yeah, meh. Because you beat Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> you beat the Steelers without T.J. Watt. Um, Mac was one interception away from blowing the game. <laughs> so, I, I. <laughs> Again, here's another week where I'm like, I still don't know who they are. Were there some flashes? Yeah. Did Cole Strange play well? Yes. Did Did Aguilar have a fantastic catch? Yes. Did the defense, you know, force a couple three and outs to, to give the ball back? And did the offense go on a six-minute drive to close it out? As Brian Baldigger said, it was masterpiece theater, the final six-minute drive. Yeah, they did all that. They ran the ball 12 straight plays to close out the game. Awesome. Cool. Neat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see you next week because you got a Ravens team coming in that's probably going to be foaming at the mouth after the lead that they blew last week. So we'll see. Um, you know, uh, injuries are starting to pile up too. Kyle Duggar was limited today; he didn't do too much. Um, I think he may even be a DMP. I haven't seen the injury report come out yet. Um, and uh, Jacoby Myers didn't participate. He had his knee checked out. So, mm. life in the NFL, boys. Uh, yeah, I guess up in New England, not here in Buffalo. Here in Buffalo, things are uh, sunny. It's it's beautiful over here. My side, sidewalk <laughs> is gorgeous, sir. One of the things that I did like about this for the Patriots, never trailed in the game. Right? Like, that's a start. Right, if right, you're talking right. about taking a team, and I think that, that can't be understated. Because this is not a team that's going to be built to score a lot of points. We already we can see that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. just in the makeup, the way I mean, I mean, look at some of the people that you're paying the most money to. Tight end John Smith, three targets, no catches, and grades poorly as a run blocker. <laughs> He's three yeah. catches for thirty three yards on the season. <laughs> Chris, remember how yep. pissed people were that the Patriots got him in free agency? Yeah, it's it's not only hurting them, but it's been directly benefiting us. Like it's actually <laughs> kind of cool. It's 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 a good thing, or at least for us. But so I'm looking at this and I'm watching that game and I'm saying to myself, they're neck and neck with another bad offensive team in the Patriots. I mean, in the Steelers, because at any point in time, one of those two teams could have pulled away, and you didn't really until the until late, and it was keyed by the defense. Is this going to be the recipe on offense for the foreseeable future? Like, just hope that the defense can set you up and hope that you don't, as the offense, make enough mistakes to jeopardize the defense's ability to win you a game. Yeah, right now, um, you know, I mean, the defense gave them a couple short fields the other day, too. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be this defense is going to have to, you know, limit teams. and the offense is just going to have to play really error-free. Um, you know, we had another, you know, Mac threw up another terrible ball. People were calling it a 50-50 ball. That wasn't a 50-50 ball. 
Minka Fitzpatrick was there. It was a 90-10 stealing ball. I mean, he shouldn't have thrown the pass. But again, another forced throw to Devontae friggin' Parker, um, who is now known around these parts, by the way, um, under a different uh, a different moniker. Um, and it's our former first-round pick. He is known as Devontae Harry. <laughs> well, here, here's what I love. I love that the, uh, patspulpit.com, SB Nation affiliate website. Yep. I don't know if you mm-hmm. check out their stuff. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's an article over there called Coping with Victory, Pittsburgh Steelers Edition. <laughs> and he goes, uh-huh. and the guy, Alex Shane, the writer, goes, I usually only write these articles on the Tuesday following a Patriots loss, but today I feel compelled to write it. Like, it. Even though you guys have won in the win column for the first time in 2022, you wouldn't know it by following the pulse of your fan base. I mean, he's talking about how listing five positives that everyone could take away from the game. And instead, he came in after a win and said, here's five negatives. Here's five things that you all need to shut the fuck up and listen to. <laughs> talking about the Steelers not being good, Mac Jones regressing. I, zero catches for the tight ends was a big one, though. Like, at this point, weren't they supposed to be the crux of this offense? Yeah, you're paying them $25 million combined this year. You're paying them $12.5 million each. Absolutely. Um, so they got to get more involved in the game. It seems like the offense is just taking baby steps. Like, And what I mean by that is, at least on the staffing side of it, Billy Yates, the offensive line coach, was up in the booth last week in Miami. He was now down on the sideline this week with the offensive line where he should have been. And apparently, you know, that helped Matt Patricia. Um, I'll tell you what helped Matt Patricia. Uh, Bill Belichick. Because Bill <laughs> Belichick was with the offense like he usually is with the defense on the sideline. His nose right in there, right next to Matt. And he, had, and he took him right by the hand. That's what helped Matt Patricia. So when they talk about the running game and, you know, uh, utilizing Stevenson and Harris back-to-back throughout the game, it was Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick was, was, was right there. So I think nothing of Matty P if I haven't made that clear on my dozens of uh, appearances on your show. I think nothing of him <laughs> and Joe Judge. Zip. This is what I think is awesome, though. Like, Bill Belichick built this. So, Chris, imagine that like you're you you work in an office and you're looking around the office going, I've got a sales department that won't answer the phones, right? I've got uh I've got a shipping department that can't load the trucks unless I go down there and help them do it. And I've uh, what I, nothing is running properly, and then you look around and realize, oh fuck, I hired all these guys. Like <laughs> I actually did this. Is like, that a, is, is that how your boss feels about you? I'm sure I'm sure there are days he would like to fire me into the goddamn sun. <laughs> but that being said, one of the things that I found is a, a crazy statistical outlier, but it kind of it provides context to some of this morose feeling you guys have. Chris, you watched the Miami Dolphins throw the ball all over the yard against the Ravens in a furious comeback that I'm sure Dolphins fans will latch onto for the, the rest of their natural lives. Uh, you watch Josh Allen being prolific through two weeks of football, just eviscerating defenses. You're looking at the Jets going, hey, in 82 seconds, Joe Flacco had fucking life. Joe Flacco looked alive for 82 seconds. 
I go and I look at Mac Jones and I say, you had 35 pass attempts. It's the first time since week 14 last season that he's attempted that many. He only reached that figure five times in all of 2021. And you guys lost four of those games. Yeah. Clearly the offense for the New England Patriots does not run through a quarterback. And you might be the only team in the AFC East that doesn't. That can't bode well for how you guys feel about how, the, how this season, at least, is going to go in terms of your ability to compete in the AFC East. No, it doesn't. Um, I just, I, I think this coaching staff has done him no favors at all. I really think the, the second year is the most crucial year for quarterback and development. And they're not doing him any favors, listen, with, with, with the structure or the lack of structure around him. Um, I can't tell you the amount of people here that, that, that fans that didn't like Josh McDaniels. It, it blew me away. It always blew me away. Josh should have did this. Josh should have did that. Josh had a, uh, a tough job by one, trying to coach the best to ever do it at the position. How do you coach a guy that says he has all the answers to the test? He did. You took a guy in Cam Newton who, let's face it, was done. Somehow you got seven wins out of him, and you were able to manufacture a somewhat of an offense. And then you took a rookie to the playoffs. So I don't know what people were looking for. but When you say it like that, I'm not going to lie. I look at Josh McDaniel and I go, he's a guy who basically won while they were cheating. And then I, if you listen to those I Am Athlete podcasts. <laughs> I love it. If you listen to those I Am Athlete podcasts, the Broncos <laughs> under his tutelage realized, oh, oh shit, we were cheating. Well, and they're like, oh no, we were winning because we were cheating. But I digress. Well, well I digress because we're we're friends, right, Christian? You and I were friends. We were friends. We're friends. So, no, no, it's just you're right. Like he had a lot to do with your team's offensive success, and I think that you you guys are seeing the fallout of him leaving. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then, yeah. and you and you see Bill being spread. Yeah. Being spread out. Like, Bill you never saw all. Bill on the offense ever. Bill was always with the defense. You never saw him with, with the offense because Josh had it. I mean, I truly think Bill Belichick, you know, the, the, the way that it worked was that, all right, this is what we're going to do this week. This is where we need to attack him. Josh, do the <laughs> game plan. I mean, that's really what it was. So it was, you know, really almost like having two head coaches because Josh just took care of the offense. So now I sit here. And I, I mean, I see this stuff like this over on Pat's Paul, but I hear what you're saying. So you guys, you won your game and no one feels good about it. I mean, you're coming out of this Steelers win, looking up and going, okay, well, we're still in the basement of the AFC East. And also, not for nothing, we might have the most anemic offense out of the three, which if anything's been proven, that's that wins football games. And you're looking at the next four games saying Baltimore on the road in Green Bay, Against Detroit, who I don't know where the listen, Chris didn't uh, Dan Campbell make a joke about doing cocaine during a presser last year? Uh, I don't know. He did the espresso thing with how much caffeine he drinks. No, he was like, "Oh, caffeine, blah blah blah." And he was like, "Oh, he goes, I'll put a little something extra in there." But the way he said it, people were like, "Is he talking about doing blow before meetings? Is he a Miami? <laughs> like, is he still a Miami Dolphin?" Which Dolphins, was, which was pretty funny, uh, but. Right. But, uh, like, they all of a sudden are dunking on people behind the back tomahawk style like Jordan. 
back in mm-hmm. the 90s. And you look at that and you go, here's three teams that, as long as Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, his team's going to score points, right? Mm-hmm. These are three games that if you guys go one and four, your odds of making the playoffs or even competing in the division are pretty slim. Two thumbs up, a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or two thumbs down. What's your personal opinion on the outlook for these guys over that three-game slate? Uh, I mean, uh, you've heard me, on, you know, the past couple of weeks on here. I mean, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. They, they, Chris, he they, sounds like he's, he sounds like uh, like Dave Chappelle doing Rick James. <laughs> I wish I had more hands so I could give this team a four thumbs down. <laughs> Use my toes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I I don't see them. You're right about Detroit. You're right about Green Bay. Um, and then they have Cleveland after that. But I I don't I just don't see again uh, this team doing anything of significance. Um, last year they were two and four at one point. You know the low point was that loss to Dallas, and that was sort of when the the, the season turned around and they went on a seven game win streak. Um, even if they did that this year, it would be very difficult for them to make the playoffs because the, the AFC is so stacked. Uh, you know, so I just, I don't, I don't two thumbs down right now until, until I really see an offense that can consistently move the ball and score, not field goals, but score touchdowns. I'm just going to be resigned to that fact. Christian, it's always fun to have you come do the show with us. Like this is it's and it honestly, it is good to hear your voice. I like you. I like you. I like the I, I like the twang that you have that you bring to this. The because uh, it's nowhere near as obnoxious as the caller we played last week, but it's there. <laughs> and then of course I go home and I have my wife listen to it, and she looks and she goes, "I really love that accent." I'm like, "Damn it! This is what see, just another reason for me to hate the New England Patriots." Love it. Ah, Jesus. Christian, always a good time. Where can people find you on social? Likewise, boys. Thanks for having me. Um, at Chris with a T-I-A-N on Twitter. And, uh, give me a follow. I'll give you a, a follow back, and you can uh, bathe in my misery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I got to open a fresh one for this, Chris, because I can't believe it. The New York Jets beat the Browns 31 to 30. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet is here to talk to us about it. Now, listen, you suffered. You, we read the tweet on air. You referred to week one as a jail rape. 
a prison <laughs> molestation. Is this a little bit of vindication for you and your fellow Jets fans? So kudos to you for having a death wish on that one, Drew. As far as the Jets, it's funny, and I got to give a shout out to my friend Keith Durgan, who I was watching the game with. When the Browns kicker, Cade York, who, by the way, made a game-winning 58-yarder a week earlier, missed an extra point, and the Browns were only up by 13, I looked at him and said, ah, who cares? And then, of course, the Corey Davis thing happens where he was so wide open that I'm pretty sure a semi-pro quarterback could have gotten him the ball on that. And I turned to him and said, well, at least they're going to cover the spread. And then, of course, they recover the onside kick, and I'm like, wait a second. Are they actually going to win this game? And then at the end, I I turned to him and I said, they've got to do the one thing that the Browns have been completely unable to stop today, which is go to Garrett Wilson. And that's what he did, and that's how they got the touchdown. But I'm sure you guys saw this. I think it was Next Gen ESPN stat service had it that after Nick Chubb went into the end zone and gave the Browns a 13-point lead with a minute 55 to go and the Jets had no timeouts, the Browns were a 99.8% lock to win that game. So just, just think about everything that had to happen for the Jets to win this. In the first quarter, Braden Mann pulled off a perfectly executed fake punt that led to a touchdown, right? You had... The same Braden man who a lot of Jets fans have been crushing for a good reason for being terrible since they drafted him in the sixth round out of Texas A&M a few years ago. He punted beautifully on Sunday, had the fake punt, and on top of it, a tremendous onside kick at the end, which ended up obviously leading to the game-winning touchdown from Flacco to Garrett Wilson. You had... Corey Davis catching a virtual Hail Mary from Joe Flacco reminded me a little bit of that play when Raheem Moore fell down in coverage for the Broncos in the playoffs and the the Ravens were able to send it to overtime. And and that was the year that they ended up winning the Super Bowl. There was the the fact that Nick Chubb didn't go out of bounds, went into the end zone. I don't blame Chubb for that, by the way, and any Browns fan who does is being stupid about it. Uh, you, you, You take a look at the fact that the, not only did they get that Hail Mary touchdown, they got the onside kick, and then they were able to score after that. And on top of it, the cherry on top is the most hated player on the team, Ashton Davis, who everybody has said, why is this guy even on the team? He should have been cut, makes the game ceiling interception. And of course, that was the only rep he had the entire game. The only snap he played the entire game was the game ceiling interception. There is no reason on earth the Jets should have won this game, but they did, and and credit to them for pulling it off. Now, the question is going to be, do we look back at this as a turning point for the franchise? Not necessarily like they're going to go to the playoffs or anything like that, but is this the moment where things started to come together for them? Obviously, we're probably a week or two away from Zach Wilson coming back. They've been very consistent about the fact that Wilson is not coming back until at least week four. They reiterated that again this week that Joe Flacco will start against the um, <clears throat> against the Cincinnati Bengals at MetLife Stadium. But but will this be the week that people look back on as when the Jets started to turn the corner? Because putting aside Flacco's performance, and he was very good, especially at the end, 
you did have Garrett Wilson, who had an absolute star-making performance. I mean, this guy was unstoppable. In fact, Daniel Jeremiah said that in addition to the 102 yards receiving and two touchdowns that he had, he identified on tape two times that Wilson was wide open for touchdowns and Flacco just didn't see him. So he could have had four touchdowns in this game. Brees Hall, who struggled in the opener, played really, really well in this game. He had 50 yards rushing on only seven carries and a touchdown receiving. We we saw DJ Reed continue to make really good plays. The offensive line wasn't good per se, but they weren't an embarrassment, which is what everybody expected. Considering well, no. And so this injuries, is, so it's the, yeah, it's just seems like everything is starting to come together a little bit now. Well, I was going to ask, whoa, whoa, hang on. Whoa, before you move on, yeah, you sure. just hit on a handful of things. One of my big questions of the night for you guys, because we're talking about heat checks up, down. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that... <sighs> When it comes to the New York Jets, one of the storylines, the bylines that we've heard a lot after that, especially after that week one loss, was this concept that your coach was wrong, that maybe the, the, you you started to hear rumblings about doubt in terms of Joe Douglas. You're like, well, he made this and this was well, but this things aren't working. And it looks like we might just be the same old Jets. First of all, you could call this game karma. <laughs> you could call this game karma for the Cleveland faithful. Guess what, guys? You root for that team, you get what you deserve. But also, like, I is this or is this not vindication for a Jets front office just a week after they faced some pretty harsh criticism? I mean, you could see the fruits of their labor on display. There was a play I remember watching in real time. Amari Cooper in the end zone. And it looks like he's close to a touchdown. And in the moment, they gave it to him. And yet, no, that, I see, was, and that yet, wasn't well, Amari. That wasn't Amari Cooper. That was uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. Okay, Donovan Peoples Jones. And I see a cornerback walking away, shaking his head, going, "Nah, not a touchdown." And it wasn't. That was Sauce Gardner because Sauce Gardner knew, like, "Hey, I erased that. I erased that play, and I know, I know that there's no way in hell that guy was in bounds." It's the, like, you guys have hit on the right people. You've got a Sauce Gardner. You've got a DJ Reed who is continuing to pay dividends. You tweeted about it, that he might be the best undrafted free agent signing by Douglas yet. To this point, DJ Reed might be it. You look at these draft picks, like Garrett Wilson, who has his first career 100-yard game and catches against six different Browns players. He was everywhere. He was a monster. He took the game over. Like, if there was something, if there was a player who buoyed the offense, it was the fact that you had Garrett Wilson out there. He did the thing that you expect a top 10 wide receiver to do. Your running back paid dividends. Brees Hall looked the part of an, uh, hey, we drafted a running back early. He looked like it. Chris, we drafted Zach Moss. It looks like your mouth. We, we we drafted Zach Moss. It's awful. They have Brees Hall. Which one looks like they've lived up to the second, third round stature that you'd expect a running back to do? Brees Hall. Thank you. Like, also, it's worth noting, and I think that this is the larger point. When we talk about vindication, 
This is the first fourth quarter comeback win of 2022 for the Jets. It's only two weeks in. But just their third fourth quarter comeback since the start of the 2020 season. It's also their first September win since Sam Darnold's debut in 2018. Exactly. So when you talk about this idea of a turning point, how is the fan base responding to this? Is it just, okay, because we just got done talking to Christian Simonelli, who kind of, even though they won, it still feels like they lost. It doesn't feel like they got ahead. How does it feel for Jets fans? Like, do you guys legitimately see this as the jumping off point of all the fruit, basically the fruits of the labor that has been the last year to two years of building? Well, to be fair, I don't think there was a ton of criticism of the front office yet. I think most of it was the coaching staff. A lot of people were frustrated, particularly with the fact that Garrett Wilson didn't play as many snaps as he should have and. There was, there's been some questions about Salah, LaFleur, Ulbrich, all those guys. And to be, if we're being completely honest and putting everything on the table here, there's no vindication just yet. It was one game. It was a miracle comeback. And if they go and lose four games in a row and, and the stagecoach turns back into a pumpkin, then that doesn't matter anymore, this one game. So the question becomes – Does this momentum carry over? Does Garrett Wilson continue to play like this? Because you have to figure that the Bengals, not that they're a great defense, that they're going to really key in on Garrett Wilson this week. So can he still make plays when he becomes the guy that is the number one target? Also, the one thing that you would say about that is for the first time in a long time, the Jets have two receivers who look like they can be a real problem and a third one who's pretty good. He may not be... Star, he may not have the star potential of a Elijah Moore or a Garrett Wilson, but Corey Davis is making plays. And remember, he's a former top five pick in his own right, so he's got talent. So there's there's question there as far as if, if they can keep that up. But if they can, this could be a, a, a fairly dynamic offense, especially if Zach Wilson comes back and really plays well. Brees Hall played well in this game, but again, it was one game, so we have to – this is, this is the trap that Jets fans sometimes fall into, right? And, and to be fair, it's not just Jets fans. It's every fan of every team. You remember last week after uh, – last year after the Mike White game when, when there were a ton oh. of people that were like, oh, Mike White, who's Zach Wilson? Mike White's the future, blah, blah, blah. And boy, did the wheels fall off of that real fast. So sometimes the, the, the cart comes before the horse and, and people go a little bit crazy about one game. Hell, we remember last year you and I were talking – after Zach Wilson had that ridiculous game against the Tennessee Titans and you're saying, is this kid going to be another Josh Allen? It was unbelievable the throws he was making. And then after that, he struggled for a couple of weeks before getting hurt. So you, you got to wait and see how this plays out over the course of the rest of the season. But for the first time in a long time, I feel like Jets fans, as you said, saw the potential fruits of Joe Douglas's labor. I, I talked about this on Twitter, but Essentially, they took two of Mike McCagnon's biggest mistakes and may have flipped them to help turn this franchise around because they traded Jamal Adams to the Seahawks for what was turned into essentially Elijah Vera Tucker and Garrett Wilson, 
two guys that look like they could be potential pro bowlers for a really long time at two very important positions on offense. They flipped Sam Darnold for what essentially turned into Brees Hall. So, And people will come at me and say, how could you say Jamal Adams was a mistake? Well, the reason Jamal Adams was a mistake is because even though he was a hell of a player, they could have taken, well, Deshaun Watson, obviously we would have had no way of knowing what was going to turn out with him, but they could have taken Mahomes as well. They passed on both for a guy who's a really good box safety, but at number six, you better be a really good box safety. So he took those two guys and flipped that. You know, obviously, the Jets could have taken Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. He flipped them for those guys. And if those players continue to progress and become the players that everybody expects, then, like you said, the fruits of the Jets' labor are really going to bore out over the next couple of weeks and hopefully years. But really, we'll see what Joe Flacco does this coming week. When Zach Wilson comes back is really going to be the test. But if these young guys continue to play well and get better and better and better, if Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson can become what we all think they can become, which is one of the most exciting corner uh, wide receiver tandems in the league, if Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed can continue to become what a lot of us think they can become, one of the best cornerback tandems in the league, though that's something that the Jets haven't had in a really long time. Marshall and Decker that one year in 2015 was a very dynamic receiving combination. If you go back to when the Jets had Revis and Cromartie, that was a dynamic cornerback combination. But you don't generally get two players at at, at key positions like that in their prime that are as good as these guys are potentially. Now, again, we're talking about rookies here, so let's see. But this is the most... This is the most exciting roster potential-wise the Jets have had in years, and, and it's a lot of, of fun to think about because if this does continue to trend in the right direction, look, we've already seen what the Dolphins and Bills are. Could the Jets sneak into not necessarily be as good as the Bills or the Dolphins, but could they sneak into that playoff conversation and then maybe you have three teams over the next five to ten years that are exciting every year and the AFC East becomes that – division that everybody talks about i don't know but but if if these guys turn out to be what we're hoping for it could happen so when we're talking about heat checks heat checks among everybody now that the week one overreaction is done you guys this win is obviously big you know it's funny because uh someone just handed me a note that the mike white comeback like that game is still in your like team's hall of fame <laughs> At the stage. So I just want to point that out. Like, that's how bad it is. And then they played the Bills two weeks later, and he threw four interceptions. So upcoming slate, not promising. Cincy, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Denver, and Buffalo. But at the same time, Cincy's 0-2. Pittsburgh with Mitch Trubisky, I don't know what they are. They're soft. Green Bay, depending on the day, they'll go as far as Aaron Rodgers can take them. Denver is interesting here in the AFC. They've got everybody hurt. What uh, Pat Sertain, Darius Phillips, Quinn Miners, Nathan Hackett's brain. <laughs> Nathan Hackett needs to be like Quang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and just get some giant brain in a body and put it next to him to take over because apparently he's just like his old man who if you ask any longtime Jets fan about Paul Hackett, 
you're going to get a lot of curse words and maybe some stuff thrown at you. Well, the, the, the best thing is, is that they traded for him and he's only completed 58% of his passes so far this season, which Oof. is fucking hilarious. And now Jerry Judy might be out on top of Tim Patrick being lost for the year. Like, they're getting thinner and thinner by the week, and it doesn't look like, I don't know, he doesn't look like a top-end quarterback, does he? And then you've got the Buffalo Bills. So at least you guys, if this is a statement win, at least you got it now. And there still might be some hay to make here. If you wanted to give two thumbs up, a thumb up and a thumb down, or two thumbs down, what's the optimism amongst Jets faithful in the direction of the team for the 2022 season right now? Well, I think, you know, there's this tendency to be prisoners of the moment, right? I think a lot of Jets fans are thinking, oh, my God, the Jets are going to be so good. And Garrett Wilson's going to have a thousand yards every week and this and that. I think if you step back and think about it, there's reason to be optimistic, especially uh, look. Most weeks the last few years have been very – they haven't been pleasurable watching this team. There's just no other way to say it. But the optimism of this team could be fun to watch this year is as high as it's been in a while. Look, you've got the Bengals coming in here now. They're 0-2, but I keep telling people they're 0-2 in a weird way. The first week, they had the Steelers beat and – McPherson missed an extra point at the buzzer that sent it to overtime and they lost an OT. And then this past week, yes, they lost to a a Cowboys team with a backup quarterback, but it was lost on a field goal at the buzzer, right? And so you look at that and look at how poorly the Bengals have played and they still were this close to being 2-0. That's a dangerous team, especially when you know that they understand that their season could very well be on the line because – if you start 0-3 in that division, I don't know if if you can come back from that. I mean, it's possible, but I'm sure if you look at the stats, Drew, you're a numbers guy. The odds of coming back from that and still winning the division or getting a high they're seed in the great. playoffs at 0-3. It, it, yeah, they're not, they're it's not, not great. great, Bob. It's not great, Bob. <laughs> no, not great, Bob. But so they, they've got a tough Cincinnati team coming in that's going to be highly motivated. Uh, a, lot, a couple of people got on me for saying that. They're like, oh, well, so the, 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 everybody's motivated every week. Listen, you've either never been in a locker room or you've never talked to players or you don't understand basic human psychology. I promise you the Bengals are extra motivated this week because they understand that this could be life and death for them. But then, like you said, after that, the Steelers are weird because they have a really good defense and they have some playmakers, but Mitch Trubisky, I think they had 246 yards of total offense last oh, week. Oh, yeah. No. And, and not much more than that the week before. Even and, then though Green the Bay, well, and, and then Green Bay, we don't know what they're going to be. Like I right. said, Denver's weird with all the injuries. Then you get the Bills. I just love the direction of your team right now, but I guess the question is, thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down, where is everybody on the Jets right now? I think everybody's pretty much thumbs up just because, like I said, right. everybody has a tendency to be prisoner of the moment. You look at this exciting win. You look at what Garrett Wilson did and all that, and everybody's thinking the best. Now, again, it might be window slate. dressing, but isn't that fun for a Jets fan yes. base that hasn't had anything to root for in a long fucking of course, time? Of course it is. And, and, ah. that's why, and that's why I said last year, for as much as I'm still annoyed, I mean, honestly, the, the the one game that really sticks out to me was that Jaguars game. If they would have just let Trevor Lawrence get in the damn end zone, they'd have yes. had Aiden Hutchinson. 
who had three sacks uh, the other day. I'm not bitter about that, by the way. But if, <laughs> if, if, if they hadn't had that win, you know, I talk about the Mike White win, similar situation. That one I, I, I'm forgiving of because Jets fans needed a moment like that. They needed a game like that because they haven't had very many of them. No? So this one gave Honestly, you guys this a, win, Well, this, this win gave you guys a moment. It gave right. you something back and, as fans. And I, think, and I think what was the best about it, Drew, is that there are wins and then there are wins that, like, okay, if the Jets won the game because Joe Flacco was lighting it up with Corey Davis, that's cool. But it's not the type of game it's, that really gets people like, wow. You know, it's the young kids. This game, yeah, they won this game because of Brees Hall, because of Garrett Wilson. That was, you know, Max Mitchell, not that he was great, but he wasn't embarrassing out there. He looks like maybe he has a chance to eventually become a starter. Like, th- those are the kind of things that Jets fans really want to see right now. And so for them to win on the backs of largely the young players, I mean, obviously Joe Flacco too, that, w- that was a big thing. That was that was very important, and I think that's a big part of the reason why Jets fans are very amped right now. Well, it'll be interesting to see how you guys fare in week three. Tell everybody where they can find you on social and where they can follow up on your work. So you can find me on social media at Play Like a Jet One. We've got our YouTube channel, which is cooking right now, youtube.com slash play like a jet. So what we're doing on there now is we've got Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, putting up some great all 22 breakdowns. He's got one up of Garrett Wilson right now that, trust me, you should want to watch even if you're not a Jets fan. Just if you're a Bills fan, you want to see what you're up against. Also, what I've started doing is I've started posting clips from the podcast every day. So that way, if, if you want to ingest the show via YouTube, you can. So again, youtube.com slash play like a jet. The podcast is on every major plat, um, podcast platform, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple. It's seven days a week, fresh content. It's a grind, but, you know, now that the Jets are at least starting to be more fun to watch, it'll be a much more pleasurable experience all the way around. I try to attack the Play Like a Jet podcast every day the way that Randy Orton attacked the McMahon family back during that storyline when Randy Orton punted Vince McMahon in the head, which I think is eventually what led to his demise. I don't care what they what they say. It wasn't the lawsuits. It was Randy Orton kicking him in the head 10 years ago. So go ahead, listen to the podcast. Check out what we're doing. Even if you're a Bills fan, you want to learn about the, the enemy, so to speak. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. And, guys, looking forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully we're, we're continuing our optimism on the Jets. And the Bills, they're 2-0. and They look like they're almost an unstoppable force. We'll see what happens. But uh, I would love it if their first meeting – a few weeks from now ends up with a lot more intrigue than we normally would have expected. Hopefully the Jets aren't double-digit underdogs. We'll see soon enough. Scott Mason, Christian Simonelli, two of the best. And since we were alphaless for the AFC East roundup, you got to go disorderly conduct from WCW. (laughs) Wait, there's a real tag team called disorderly conduct? Yeah, they always lost. Of course they did, because it's fucking lame. Yeah, because when you have Christian and Scott on, who are the basement of the AFC, <laughs> you got to go with a jobber tag team. 
That's why you go disorderly <laughs> conduct with Mean Mike and Tough Tom. Disorderly conduct. Mean Mike and Tough Tom. I'm sorry, yeah. like... There are people that watch wrestling in the uh, late 90s that remember watching them on WCW Saturday night. That's horrible. And that's why in Europe people say that the Americans love alliterations. <laughs> that, folks, was the voice of Hugo Carmona, who happens to be back here in the U.S. He was there sitting next to me in person to watch the Buffalo Bills as we mollywopped the Titans 41-7. to Hugo... It's it's awesome that you come back here so often to watch the Bills play. Yeah, I'll probably be the first in a few years. In a few years, I'll probably be the first person to get that software, the um, citizenship, and all the trips I did was just to see the Bills. See, and that's what I love. Now, you've this is what I love. Like, three trips to Buffalo, your first game under the lights. Right. First primetime game. Was it everything that you thought that it might be? Oh, yeah. Even more. Because it was such a beating, people were just leaving early. <laughs> which I said, even in soccer, uh, normally people stay until the end. We don't leave early. So you and I stayed until the very end, and we enjoyed that. Chris was annoyed by it, I think, because he wanted to leave a little bit. No, I was fine with it. All I mean, right. Hugo was just talking up to anybody that was around us that was still there about the podcast. Which I love. I love this about Hugo. He's a, he's a podcast stan, but also just the fact that he's so excited. He's like, you don't understand why I'm here, and this sounds crazy. So now the people on our show have gotten to know you. We've talked about you a lot. You've been on here before. You've Last done season. a podcast with us. You've now gotten to tailgate in all three climates, right? You saw the uh, hottest balls back in 2019. Perfect weather. Yeah, of course it's perfect weather if you live in Portugal. Snowy 2021. True. You took it, to your credit, I wasn't going to do it. You took your shirt off, and I was like, all right, I respect this. I respect this. And then a monsoon followed by a relatively cool fall evening in Buffalo, which I believe to be the most elite weather of all of them. That was a comfortable weather, huh? Tell me that night wasn't good, but tell me that that's not football weather. Like, that's... The players are comfortable. No one's cramping up. You as a fan aren't sweating to death in the stands. Well, yeah, it was good weather. I, I mean, would prefer a bit hotter, but yeah, that's me. You did get to see me roll up my jean pant, like the pant legs of my jeans. Like it's true. Chris, what was the phrase? Oh, you're a... Um Flamboyant lumberjack. <laughs> I think flamboyant is going a bit further ahead. Okay, it's it's hilarious. So you're at the atmosphere of the stadium throughout the course of that game. What was it like being there in person to see that? Because it it was electric, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think um, it was my second home opener. Okay, and I think it's a special atmosphere when it's the home opener. People are on the edge. People are fired up. When they brought out Marv Levy, oh. the, the pop from the crowd. Now, Chris, that's a wrestling term. Yeah, it is. I'm sure you're, you're used to. Yeah, Chris, he wouldn't come out and just get heat. <laughs> <laughs> what is, wait, what's the difference between pop and heat? Pop is like, uh, you know, when uh, 
I guess when CM Punk made his uh, return to AEW, he'd been out of wrestling for seven years. It was just a loud, everybody cheering. People, there were legit people, adult men crying in the stands. And then, well, those guys are who we like to call Nancys. Yeah, and then heat is the opposite of that. It's just hate. Oh, okay. The hate from the crowd. Yeah. So that pop for Marv Levy. Well, for me, it was goosebumps. See, like you got to see Marv Levy out there at 97 years old. That's how much those old timers love what's going on here in Buffalo right now. Is that he still wants to amble out there on the field, not for his own person. Because, Chris, since he got fired as GM, when has Marv Levy been back in the spotlight for this franchise? Uh, when he was at the um, signing. At the signing event? Where he walked through a thing and then he walked through a video shot and then the door was locked. And he couldn't get out the way he was trying to go, so his handlers kind of pushed him back across the stage. And as we're sitting there, I'm there with Ryan Lacell and we're Icy Vic and Mara Granada and the guys from Hashtag Sports, and we're just like looking at Marv, just kind of shuffling by, and we're just like, hey, Marv, wow, that guy's old. Like, Jesus. I'm just dumbfounded. Like, this is what it's like to be 90. Like, you just don't know where you're going. And that's mean, but it's not intended to be. It's just, he's old. But he's been out of the spotlight. For them to bring him back for this game, it just felt big, didn't it, Hugo? Oh, yeah. I think uh, expectations are all-time high, and those guys probably want this team to finish what they started, and they unfortunately couldn't finish. <sighs> See, that's a point, Chris, that I think don't doesn't get talked about enough. You think about uh, they bring out Jim Kelly early in the game. Yeah, Kelly and then uh, Bruce Smith. Bruce Smith. And then Marv Levy comes out and the crowd just loses their mind. Those guys were rock stars when we were children. And yet this team has faded so far from that glory. And yet you look at what we are now. It's not shocking that they've kind of they're now more active on social media. They're more active out there in the public. They're, they're trying to be closer to the football team. They go out there for these kind of things and root the team on and push for them. Bruce Smith is going to practice and trying to talk to Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham and teach them things and tell them. What, because to your point, Hugo, I very much feel like these guys, Chris, the, that was the pinnacle of their athletic achievement, achievement these guys. Yeah. They want to see somebody wearing the jersey that they spent their entire careers wearing. Bring this thing fucking home. Finish what is largely unfinished business. Oh, yeah. God. So we're watching the game. What what was one of your favorite moments of the game? (laughs) Just seeing it in person. My favorite, one of my favorite moments of the game, uh, Milano's pick six. How loud did that place fucking get? Oh, man. <laughs> it was wild. Yeah. It was better that you weren't there for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fucking walk away. Yeah. I walk away to go take a piss. Got your junk in your hand. I walk away and I'm in the bathroom and I'm taking a piss. Now, this, what it did was it took me back to the Jaguars game. You remember that? Yeah. Everyone's at the seats except for me. Every time I left, 
I leave Robert Foster, 75-yard touchdown pass or 70-yard touchdown pass. You should leave more often. See? I come back. Everything's fine. It's normal. I leave fist fight that breaks out. I'm in the bathroom again. You'd think I'd learn not to drink so much. At that point, you just go home. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's almost better for the team, I, I right? I just wanted to go to Portugal to a soccer game so I can embarrass you because when you go there, you sit for the game and it's like 45 minutes plus discounts, whatever. And you sit the whole time. Normally, who goes to the bathroom is fathers with children. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, it's terrible. Yeah. I think I just got shamed. Yeah, you did. But when that Milano pick six happened and I'm in the bathroom and I'm standing there taking a leak and all of a sudden I just hear the crowd rise up and I look over my shoulder. They put some TVs in the bathroom finally. I look over my shoulder and I see Milano just holding the ball out running into the end zone and I'm like, damn it. That's the moment. That's the moment that everyone... Like, Chris, let's go around the table. What was the moment you knew the game was over? Like, over, over, beyond a question of a doubt. Um, I would say the coin toss. Because <laughs> you're that cocky? Even yeah. though you're the guy who took him to uh, not I knew cover? We, I knew we would win. I didn't think we were just going to bitch slap him. That was an evisceration. It really yeah. was. I, I did two losses in a row to him over the last two seasons, and then all of a sudden we're 10-point favorites. I just I didn't think we would win... That convincingly, I mean yeah. the way the the way the referees were doing things were. So we talked in this week's recap about how I was making drunken notes on my phone. There is a note here. I'm going to so read speaking it. Speaking of that, can you throw me a oh, Mackie Colson? I'm talking, dude. If you need a beer, you just listen. This is the Rock Power Report. We don't. First of all, everyone drinks. Everyone has a. You got to have a blood alcohol content over zero zero. What is it? 0.08. You can't podcast anything <laughs> less than that. Um, also, you were there for this one. As I remember writing it and then thinking you were reading over my shoulder and getting paranoid. But I have the note. The refs can get AIDS. Like, that's a note in my phone. <sighs> Don't get me riled up. Because, um, Yeah. I'm normally a very calm guy. You know me. <laughs> Certain things get me really pissed off, riled up, whatever you want to call it. And um, I asked a lot of people. and uh, Including I, Nate Geary tonight. Including. In all my Korean sports and uh, seeing sports, whatever, and asking everyone, and ask yourself. You've seen a lot of sports, baseball, whatever. Um, when... Have you ever seen a referee go back on a decision? I've seen it in the game, and I was dumbfounded. Then I was pissed, because it reminds me what happened in the Texas game, which, to this day, I still don't know how the neighbors did not call the police on me. Because it was very late in Portugal, like probably 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning, and I literally screamed my lungs off because of that decision. Guys came from the stand and they changed something decided on the field by a referee. Well, yeah. in soccer, people would invade the stadium. That game would not finish. Yeah, <laughs> it's, di- it's different when you add in video review, but with a penalty, you can't do video yeah. review. Are, it's aren't like, the rules? Yeah. So where is the rule that a guy can come from the stand and uh, tell the, the referee, hey, sorry, just change it because, yeah. Yeah, that was that uh, oh, yeah. offside false start 
call on I think third and one or yes. fourth and one, and it's one of the most enraged. Like the, to, to Hugo's point, isn't that one of the most enraging things? And it seems to bite us in the ass more than other teams. Yeah, but I like that this year's version of the Bills is just like, hey, guess what? <laughs> you think that's funny? We'll hang five more of these things on you guys if you make us. Do you know what is the well? Not as as strong, but for me it was uh, last season uh, that game. I don't I don't recall the game, but when it was like touchdown. Oh no, something happened. Okay, touchdown. Oh, something happened. Okay, touchdown. Something happened. Okay, touchdown. Okay, they will keep doing this all night. Okay, it's a touchdown. <laughs> Finally, you will break them if you're talented enough, and that's what the Buffalo Bills are. What I do know is that, as far as my understanding of the game, the moment that I knew it was over, but not only that, but the moment I was a part of the right fan base, was after the pick six and Thunder Kiss 65 started playing. I did hear that. (laughs) And no one left. No one left. Like, Chris, at that point, wasn't the game a blowout? Yeah, that put the game out of reach. So then, and this is me going through my drunken notes on my phone, 41 to 7. You saw some people heading to the exits, but the stands were still full. Why? Because they needed it. The petty guy who said the thing that I said during the game that you're right, that's abominable. Those people needed to see that finish. They were like, I'm not satisfied. I don't want to win by 10 points. I don't want to win by 20 points. I need 30. Can you make it? Can you make it 35? Can you make it 34 somewhere in there? Yes. Oh, you can. Okay. I will be here to see the end of that. Yeah. This team needed. To wash the stink of the last two games against the Titans off. In fact, it maybe even goes a little bit farther than that. You think about the history we have with that Titans team. I ha- it has a, a, it's actually exists an expression in, in, in Portuguese soccer about this type of matches. So we play several times. And sometimes for some period, like five years, 10 years, 20 years, you always lose or have bad results with a certain team. Okay. When you finally win against that team, hopefully in a title run, we call that sling a lamb or sling the lamb. Yep. No, and that's exactly it. We chased their best players off the field. Again, going off my drunken game notes, off the field with 13 minutes left, and then we kicked the shit out of their backups. We still owned the line of scrimmage. It's just, this is... Again, the last one I have here. Exercise the ghosts of the past one at a fucking time. That's it. Those are the drunken notes. That's game notes brought to you by Drew Gear. What I'll say is that the Buffalo Bills in this game, I think, illustrated the fact that they're they're on a trajectory no one can keep pace with. At least not the Titans. So, not the Rams... Not the team that won the AFC last year. Not the team that won the Super Bowl last year. None of you can touch us right now. So with that, Hugo, 
you came here to America for another weekend of just debauchery, drinking, <laughs> just and food and food because you are a foodie and oh, you've yeah. had some delicious food here during your time. Yeah. I have to thank Nate Geary because I've since my first time in America, um, I ate brisket and I found here again that brisket that melts in your mouth. For me, just for that, the trip would be worth it. But just beating the Titans as we did, man, it's uh, no words. <laughs> Chris, heat check. Two thumbs up, one up, one down, or two thumbs down. I can give you two thumbs down. Directions of your A cups. <laughs> See, and this is why I love this podcast. Obviously, everybody here believes that the Buffalo Bills are winners. Now, we move on to next week's opponent, the Miami Dolphins. Now, Elf Artiaga is not here because he did our preview show. I saw he was uh, being very heated in Twitter. Oh, yeah. He's he's mixing it up with the Buffalo Bills faithful yeah. over there on Twitter. Uh, the old Greg Thompson. The old, I mean, he has a long-standing beef with Nate Geary. Yeah. These things, hey, some of these we might resolve this season, but don't tell either one of them that, guys. <laughs> we look at the Miami Dolphins, who lead the inexplicably lead the AFC East. They shocked the Ravens 42-38. to Now, guys... First of all, is it weird looking up in the standings at the Dolphins? Yeah. Like, that's never been a thing. A bit. Yeah. Even when, like, over go, go back to when Fitzpatrick was here. We might not be number one, but we sure as hell weren't looking up at the Dolphins. Well, didn't they win the division once, even with the Patriots? It was 08. Yeah, they had uh, Sperano. 08. Way back in 08. I just started with Rex Ryan, so everything before I... <laughs> That's right. Hugo started being a Bills fan because of us, so that means he only knows the Rex Ryan history. And a bit... Yeah, yeah. you don't know the Chan Gailey, the Turk Schoner. Oh, my God. The you know, uh, Greg we Williams, you, we saved the you Mike Malarkey. Dick Juron. Dick Juron. His name is Dick Juron. He's a, he, he got extended as a coach. He got a contract extension and then got fired. That's like five a retirement fund, right? And then he got fired five weeks later. That's yep. how much the team hated him. Was they were like, "We just handed you a mint, guaranteed. You're getting a couple mil a year. Go collect your couple mil a year sitting on a couch. We don't want you here." That was our coaching carousel until well, Sean McDermott. Did you saw that news? I hope it's true. Hope I'm not spreading fake news. That uh, Dr. Scholes, you know, that uh, shoe <laughs> stuff, I think made a contract with Rex Ryan. That? Chris, I, can you give that a goog? That's, a, that's ideal. I'll, if that's true, <laughs> this might be the best podcast. Rex Ryan, touting foot products. Never in my lifetime did I ever... Hey, that is a smart move, though. No, that's, that, but, that's, but, that's life imitating comedy, I, not comedy imitating I life. I don't know if it's true, if it's comedy, it was very well made, because it has, like, you know, the typical Rex Ryan, like, I know feet. I know feet. Of or something like do. that. Right. So, <laughs> when I look at the Miami Dolphins, they, they shocked the Ravens, 42-38. They come back huge in the second half. That is a true thing. 
Wait, Rex Ryan? According to the internet. According to the internet. I after, love how articulate that is. This, the interwebs. This, head, this headline says, after foot fetish mockery, Dr. Scholes and Rex Ryan launch foot sprays. <laughs> See? Uh, I mean, there they What a time <laughs> to be alive. All I need to do is get on a yellow tandem bike, and me and Hugo can ride out of here. Yeah, there's well, Buffalo News. Well, actually, I need to ride, ho- ride home, so that would be fun. <laughs> so I'm looking at this. When I look at their game against the Ravens, there's a couple stats that jump off the page to me. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens starting DBs, six combined missed tackles by the free safety, the left cornerback, and the weak side linebacker. Those six tackles directly led to two touchdowns and 261 yards of receiving. Uh, The Miami defense, 23rd in passing yards, 19th in passing touchdowns allowed, they're not known for like like a, a defense that's supposed to be good against the pass. Lamar had one but not two 100-yard receivers on the day. Chunk plays, and that's the thing. It's not just like one or two. It's a pass for 75, a pass for 25, a pass for 34, a pass for 26. They gave up giant portions of the field early in the game for no reason. And then Tua. Tua, everybody loves him. Right now, he's the... What do you want to call that? The uh, What's the... Soup du jour. There you go. Look at you. What is that? Spanish? I don't know. (laughs) Actually actually French. Yeah, there we go. Hugo, that was sarcasm. I love the fact that you picked it up. (laughs) He comes and he goes, no, actually, that's Spanish. Sopa del dia or sopa do dia, if you want the Spanish and Portuguese version. All right. Tua breaks Dan Marino's record, but he only throws, like, what? Uh, what? What is this? 32 more air yards than Josh Allen. Okay. And for the season, according to Alfar Tiago in our preview show, he only has two more air yards than Josh does all year. So this giant, almost 500-yard passing game, He's heavily dependent on the team around him to pick him up. <sighs> First of all, here's what Colin Cowherd had to say about Tua's performance. Not that impressed. <laughs> First of all, he didn't play great football for the first three quarters. The Ravens have the worst pass defense with three rookies in the secondary in the league right now. Now, he's 8-1 and one in his last nine starts. But we're going crazy on this. They're asking him to hit open receivers on busted coverage. The best quarterback in that game was Lamar Jackson. So, listen, if he puts together four in a row like this, I'm blown away. But it was easily a great, his best quarter in what has been a spotty average career. Yeah, it's almost like a it's like the, an Isaiah McKenzie quarterback situation. <laughs> Like okay, you had a you had a good you had a good half for one good game. In this instance, a quarter. Big whoop! You threw four touchdowns. All right, so there's so not much impressed. To, there's so much to unpack in what you just said. But now, Hugo, you hear that, and you hear that dissection of what Tua accomplished against this team, and you think about 
sitting here in studio with us tonight, hearing the context that we kind of dissected all of this around, is what Tua has done through two weeks impressive to you? Well, I don't. Well, at least the first game, I don't think it was impressive. This was impressive because, at least that I know, not a lot of quarterbacks throwing six touchdowns. Uh, okay, so I think since the beginning of the season, we all know that they invested heavily on Tariq Hill. We kind of remember that he's a very good receiver, probably a unicorn or whatever term we went to, to say. He's the guy that makes a difference. Uh, and they also have Waddle, which seems like another very good player, another very fast player. Okay, so they have an accurate quarterback. They want to hit receivers that are dangerous on their own. Okay, so this time... They had a lot of rookies. Uh, errors happen, and they got, well, away. I think probably they will have to see how, because I think uh, I saw it somewhere, like, since they always do the cutoff, so it's more dramatic, since 2011 or seven or whatever, uh, teams that were 21 points up were 0 to 711, something like that. <laughs> and this was the one. So either... The Ravens did not defend their uh, lead well, or it was just one of those games where busted coverages and uh, the very good and very fast receivers got there. But the thing is, is this repeatable? Like, is this, it can happen like two games at a time, three games, but during a season, this is probably not how you're going to win uh, your division. Um, and as you said, then there's the defense part, which it was destroyed by the Ravens, which are probably not one of the teams known as being one of the best passing teams in the league. Lamar has the talent. Unfortunately, his OC probably is not known to create very strong passing attacks. So, so Chris, the fact that what he just said, teams that get, get 21 points scored on them above what they score... Generally can speaking, I, I, do me, not win football games. Yeah, let me let's say that again correctly. Twenty-one point lead. Look at you. Yeah. However, you just said it is wrong. All you got to say. Some of the teams, things I say just to annoy you. Teams that have had a twenty-one point lead or more are so, oh and whatever until until now. A long time ago. Here's yeah. the question: What did you do to put your team in a twenty-one point hole? Oh, I know. Throw two interceptions. Okay. So you helped that. Yeah. The kickoff comes back. You throw two picks. All of a sudden, your team's down. And you... So I don't know that I'm sold on the idea of Tua being the savior of this franchise just yet. I don't, I'm not willing to buy the hype. I don't. You Elf, know what the Miami Dolphins remind me of? Who? Saddam Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Dolphins remind me of Saddam Hussein because I was scared of him in the 90s. <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's the person who's always like, hey, I've got this thing and you better be afraid of it. Okay, so if, if, if Tua... No, no it, let's speak to a European no, no, about, no, 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 but, about that. But if Tua is not a good quarterback, then everyone that is defending him is like the... 
Iraq Ministry of Information when there was the invasion. <laughs> oh, we're killing them by the millions. Oh, by the thousands, and they're attacking. And uh, have to go. So I, yeah, I like go. that's hilarious. No, so what I look at this and I, I just say to myself, you as a quarterback led a team to a twenty-one point deficit. And then you had to stage this ridiculous comeback. Now, some of that is repeatable, right? Like, if they learn from their lesson, but as we talked to Alfartiago about, their team has a problem with slow starts this year. They're averaging 1.5 points in the first quarter. The Bills are averaging seven. Averaging. We might hang a couple more on you if you give us more possessions. So when it comes into a game like this, if they dig a hole like that, the odds of them statistically crawling out of that again aren't good. Yeah, just looking like any given Sandy and all that. But still, we have, uh, like Miami now, we have one of the best offenses, but we also have one of the best defenses. Miami cannot say that. So if you just go by... The law of averages and stuff. Well, our attack is good. Their attack is good. Our defense is good. Their defense is not so good. So that probably be the factor that will allow us to win. Score more points. Even if they score, they will not score as much due to our defense. Now, Chris, I want to ask you, what does this game mean? Like, it's week three, very early in the season. What does this game between Buffalo and Miami mean? It means that Miami is our bitch. That's what that means. If the if the Bills were to lose, it's not going to happen. Okay, but if it does, what does it mean in the grand scheme? If we lose to Miami, it is something catastrophic in the way of a, a Josh Allen injury or something. It's a repeat of the Ravens game. What if they just find something? They find an angle, they find a matchup they like, and they exploit it, and they win. There's no catastrophic injury. Every that's not. A, that's well, un, that's for me. Not that's playing, not a realistic thing. Seasons that you play your adversaries, even your big ones, twice per season. It means it's going to be at their home, right? Yeah. Just means we need to beat them at our home. For me, I look back at last year's Patriots matchup. Which one? We sold that first matchup against the Patriots like it was everything. And when they beat us, I, myself included, felt awful in the aftermath of it. I was like, okay, our season's over, and we got beat by a team that threw the ball three times. Well, that was a, a weather thing. Okay. But I don't, th I don't think Hurricane Andrew is in the forecast for Sunday. But we also know how that ended, right? Like, there's a football team out there that beat us the first time at home mm -hmm. in our house. We went to theirs, and we pulled out a late one. It was, it was a nail-biter, but we did it. And then we circled back around, and we all know how that ended in the wild-card round. A loss would put us behind them, and this is where I hesitate. This is where I feel like this game has some weight. Miami has highly winnable games ahead of them. Like, if they can beat us, they've got Minnesota and Pittsburgh at home. Who Do you see either one of those quarterbacks after Monday Night Football? Being able to throw Monday Night Football and after seeing what the Patriots did against the uh, Steelers. 
I would ask you what time is the Vikings and Dolphins game at? Is it at night? Then I'd go with the Dolphins. Is it during the day? Then I might consider taking Minnesota. Okay. Pittsburgh. It also depends on who okay. the quarterback is. At Chicago. <laughs> then yeah. they have Cincy, who is showing that Super Bowl hangovers are real. I don't care what... I, I understand what Scott said earlier about them being desperate. Sometimes you're just not that good. And I think that the Cincy is proving that you don't have to be all-world... Like, not every Super Bowl is Clash of the Titans. Sometimes it's just who's healthier and who's in the right spot at the right yeah, time, who got hot at the right time. There was something to be said for timing. So giving this team an early leg up on the division would suck. Being stuck behind them, unable to pass, like you're driving through Cheek on a Sunday afternoon. And don't you complain about it because these streets are full of geezers, Right. Chris, are they or are they not? This neighborhood sucks. I get road rage constantly. Yeah. And then factoring in that they play a third-place schedule, this game doesn't exactly give away the division, but it, it makes the odds of the Bills being able to wrestle away control of it a little bit harder. So I guess I just I look at that and I say to myself, the Bills need to win this one. If we're talking about heat checks, Miami Dolphins are the hottest team in the NFL. They just had the craziest comeback. It's it's the it's the wildest thing to ever happen. But for tonight, we got to get out of here. I can't wait to see what week three has for every single one of these football teams. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Hugo Cremona. And this has been your AFC's Roundup. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.